0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where things actually got exciting in the state legislature for about an hour. All it took was the tornado touching down near the Tallahassee airport. The National Weather Service warned us all to take shelter in the basement, as if there are basements in Florida homes. After several days of sniping back and forth between Washington and Tallahassee, Governor Ron DeSantis says enough of the politics, let's focus on vaccinations.
1: When it comes to vaccinating our seniors, uh, you know, you really need to put politics aside and, and you need to do whatever we can to get, the, to get the shots in the arms.
0: The state reported 169 additional COVID fatalities Wednesday, almost 8,500 new infections. The state surgeon general makes a virtual appearance before a legislative committee to provide a COVID update, but lawmakers who wanted to ask questions were told to zip their lips.
2: I'm disappointed that he can't answer questions publicly, and I think that it just contributes to the perception that this process is a sham if we cannot be able to ask legitimate questions to the top public health officer in this state.
0: A Senate committee votes for a bill that could eventually kill off the Florida Constitution Revision Commission. The constitutional Revision Commission is like a Pandora's box that we open every 20 years, and none of us know what's going to come out of it. On today's Sunrise interview, a conversation with Senator Tina Polsky of Boca Raton, who wants to make it harder for fraudulent candidates to appear on the ballot.
3: They had no intention of winning, no intention of campaigning for, never raised any money, um, never made a public appearance. So it was just there as a spoiler.
0: We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man facing federal charges of interfering in the presidential election of 2016 and tricking thousands of people into wasting their votes. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, January 28th. On this date in 1986, Space Shuttle Challenger exploded 73 seconds after liftoff from Cape Canaveral. All seven crew members were killed, including Krista McAuliffe, who was scheduled to be the first teacher in space. This is National Kazoo Day, National Daisy Day, and National Lego Day. Turns out the Lego company patented their brick design on this date in 1958, and the originals are still compatible with the bricks that are being produced today. Governor Ron DeSantis says it's time to put politics aside and get on with the business of vaccinating people against COVID-19. The governor held a press conference at the Sun City Center Community Hall Wednesday, where seniors are getting shots, and he was asked about how he's dealing with the new administration in Washington. DeSantis talked fondly about his bud, Donald Trump, and said he's not interested in trading barbs with Joe Biden's administration just to score political points.
1: The overriding thing is just get more doses. We don't need more infrastructure. We don't need that. Let's just get more doses. And so if they're able to deliver that, um, you know, that would be great. And we want to work uh, constructively with that on being able to vaccinate seniors. Obviously, we've had so many other issues that we work constructively with Washington on. You know, They, uh, the previous administration, a big supporter of my Everglades initiatives. It really came through for a lot of hurricane victims have been great with infrastructure and transportation. So we obviously want to continue doing that. Um, At the same time, I mean, if they're saying things like there was no plan by the Operation Warp Speed, that is factually false. And when I met, I had probably a dozen calls with other governors over a three-month period with Warp Speed. I personally met with them multiple times in Washington. I met with Azar, I talked with Azar in Redfield, and all these people time and time again. They had a plan, and the delivery of this, we've not had any problem with the delivery. They say it's coming, it comes. So so when they say that that's just that's just not true and to me that's more politics than it is just trying to come together unify and get things done when the person at the White House says that Florida has all these doses she was ta- those are second doses they're suggesting that we should give away people second doses look we'll we'll just we'll we'll be continue to level with the folks and let them know kind of the real facts on that but yes Put the politics aside, step up, and do it. You know, Part of the reason we had a good relationship with the president was because he was a Florida resident part-time and, and now full-time. And he understood the state, I think, um, in ways that other presidents, Republican and Democrat, haven't really done it. But when it comes to vaccinating our seniors, uh, you, know, you really need to put politics aside, and, and you need to do whatever we can to get, the, to get the shots in the arms. And in Florida, the overriding thing we need is to just continue to get up the dosage so that we can do more of these types of pods all over the state of Florida and more of the seniors that you're talking about are able to get through, get in line, and get their shots.
0: Shortly after the governor spoke, the state health department reported 169 additional fatalities and almost 8,500 new cases of coronavirus. Our death toll has reached 26,249. The total number of cases, 1,676,000. Florida's Surgeon General was the lead-off witness as the House Professions and Public Health Subcommittee held its first meeting. Dr. Scott Rivkes appeared by video link in what might best be described as a virtual meet and greet, where he gave lawmakers a brief update on the progress of COVID vaccinations.
1: We are very grateful for the fact that we have a path forward out of this pandemic with uh, uh, vaccines that target this. Um, as of this morning, more than one and a half million Floridians have been vaccinated against COVID-19, and 75% of those individuals who've been vaccinated who received their first dose are 65 years of age and older. The strategy that we've implemented in Florida in terms of protecting those individuals who are 65 years of age and older is something we feel very strongly about and actually has been something that has been recognized by the federal government uh, for other states to follow.
0: Lawmakers had plenty of questions for Rivkees when he was done, but committee chairman Will Robinson of Bradenton said not this time, much to the dismay of Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith, who is the ranking Democrat on the subcommittee.
2: The House as a body, we haven't heard from the Surgeon General in 11 months Since we last convened, can you explain to the members of the committee why our Surgeon General can't answer questions publicly? I think they deserve answers. Well, uh, the agenda was set up as an introduction uh, of the Surgeon General. He's being introduced uh, to to, to the members of the committee, and uh, frankly, we have a robust agenda, and we did not plan for questions uh, to the Surgeon General. Uh, for this meeting Uh, you're more than uh, you you can contact his office and and schedule a meeting and we would be happy to help coordinate that and and do the best we can I understand thank you for that I understand that we have an agenda to get to but after over 25,000 Floridians have died from COVID I, I don't really understand what's more important than our ability to ask questions of our state Surgeon General. I think that I might be speaking for, I don't know, Democratic and Republican members of this committee who worked hard to be the voice for their communities. And I think that we deserve an opportunity to ask the Surgeon General simple questions about public health while he's here. Understood, Ranking Member, that's not part of this agenda. And I welcome you to schedule a meeting with the Surgeon General um, at your pleasure. Well, thank you for that, but I'm disappointed that he can't answer questions publicly, and I think that it just contributes to the perception that this process is a sham if we cannot be able to ask legitimate questions to the top public health officer in this
0: state. Chairman Robinson assured members of the subcommittee that it is not, in fact, a sham florida's constitution revision commission is under fire it meets every 20 years and the original intent was to come up with suggestions to streamline or modernize the state constitution but the commission has a history of going rogue and senator jeff Brandis of st petersburg says it's time to kill the crc the constitutional revision commission is like a pandora's box that we open every 20 years and none of us know what's going to come out of it and it's done by people who are not elected to the state of florida who are not accountable directly to the voters And this still remains two ways for the Constitution to be amended. We, the legislature, can do it through our process, through our rules. The people of the state of Florida can do it via the petition uh, method that has been very successful over the years. There is still plenty of ways to amend the Constitution in a thoughtful, rational process without opening the Pandora's box. And and I think with this uh, joint resolution, we have a chance to close that box and lock it away. Uh, and, and hopefully never see through it again. Barbara Devane has been lobbying in Tallahassee since the 70s and has witnessed three of these commissions at work. The 2018 version tried to add an amendment to gut the privacy clause in the state constitution that protects reproductive rights. And that convinced Devane the CRC should be abolished.
2: I went through the agony of many years of um, CRC meetings. They've gotten off the track of the original intent of the CRC. And quite frankly, they become very political. And it seems like people who can't get things passed during the legislative session, bring it to the CRC to try to get it passed. And the last time was, caused a lot of heartache and agony for those of us who just support the clause in our state constitution, which is the right to privacy. Thank goodness we were able to defeat the uh, removal of that from our Constitution, and I urge you to vote for this great
0: bill. The this bill passed overwhelmingly in the Senate Governmental Oversight and Accountability Committee. Next up, the Rules Committee. Florida Republicans made big gains in Miami-Dade County last year by playing the commie card in Hispanic media, claiming Democrats are a bunch of socialists like Fidel Castro and Hugo Chavez who will take away your freedoms. Now, you expect that sort of hyperbole during a campaign, but really not in the legislature. Then along comes Senator Manny Diaz of Miami-Dade, who is sponsoring a resolution, quote, denouncing democratic socialism in favor of the true American values of individual liberty and democracy. Senator Victor Torres of Orlando called BS on the bill. This resolution is an attempt to broadly paint progressive democratic policies as communism or anti-democratic. Democracy is a political system while socialism is an economic system. This bill attempts to denounce progressive policies like social security, Medicare, public education, public transportation, and unemployment insurance benefits that are very popular with the people of the state and the nation. We can be proud patriots, defenders of liberty and democracy, and still support progressive policies that help millions of working families and provide a basic social safety net for our fellow Americans. But during an impressive display of chutzpah, Senator Diaz claimed his bill denouncing democratic socialism has nothing to do with Democrats. This resolution is not an aim at any individual policies or program that, is, that exists in our United States today. It is simply a message from the Florida Senate to say that we stand by our system of economic progress, uh, by our system of government, and being a first-generation American of Cuban descent, I can tell you that I have seen through my family the perils of socialism and the road that it goes down. This is not meant to offend anybody, but is simply stating what we already know that we support American ideals, our system of capitalism, and the freedom of people to improve their lives without the the government um, engineering society or our economy. The resolution passed out of committee with four Republicans voting yes, two Democrats voting no. Since it's a resolution instead of a bill, it doesn't actually do anything other than provide fodder for the next election. Speaking of the next election, two lawmakers have filed bills to make it harder for fraudulent candidates to run for elected office. When Florida's unemployment system crashed and burned at the start of the pandemic, State Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez of Miami stepped up his game. He spent months helping constituents navigate the process. He became one of the most outspoken voices calling for reform of the unemployment law. Rodriguez is no longer in the legislature because he was the victim of a phantom candidate, someone with the same name who ran for his seat as a third-party candidate. The guy didn't live in the district, he never campaigned for office, refused to talk to the press or even appear publicly. Now, the bogus Rodriguez ended up with more than 6,000 votes, and that cost the real Rodriguez his seat. He lost by about 30 votes. Republicans have deployed spoiler candidates in several races in recent years, and Senator Tina Polsky of Boca Raton says it's time to rein in what she calls the fraudulent candidates.
3: I'm talking about someone who never had an intent to run to become a public servant for any office and was somehow talked into it or coerced or somehow influenced to run for a seat that they had no intention of winning, no intention of campaigning for, never raised any money, um, never made a public appearance. So it was just there as a spoiler. There's just really no other reason why that person's name would have been on the ballot.
0: So how do we stop those sort of shenanigans?
3: Our bill is, uh, I think, a good step in the right direction, because what happens is um, you just pluck someone from one of the parties and you have them run as a spoiler as an NPA. But if they have not been registered as an NPA, it doesn't matter because they can change party to NPA and then they get to be the third party candidate. With our bill, if they have not been an NPA, they won't be allowed to run. And so that would eliminate sort of this last-minute flipping around. Now, if the law for some crazy reason passes and people are aware of it, then they can make these decisions a year in advance. But it might be tough because then that person can't participate in primaries. They can't vote for the party of their choice. And so you might not have the same kind of switching around a year in advance. So then they won't be able to run, and you would only have true candidates who believe in their party running. And let me just make something clear. It doesn't stop an NPA from running at all. It's just that you have to really be an NPA um, and an NPA for at least a year.
0: Why are these sort of tactics unfair, do you think?
3: Well, because the Democrats and Republicans have to be in their party for a year. So there's this loophole that allows people to just switch it up and run as a spoiler when the other parties don't have that opportunity because it's not a party. And so I think it just makes it that much more fair to everyone else running if we um, you know, have the same rules for everyone. So it evens the playing field.
0: In the most recent round, these phantom candidates did tend to favor Republicans. So do you think that might make the bill a little tougher to pass in the legislature?
3: Absolutely, it will. I just hope that the bill will be heard because it benefits everyone. It makes our election process more... Ethical, more fair. Each candidate is running with integrity because they want to. It doesn't help either party to, um, you know, to have these phantom candidates, as you call them. Now, it may help one party at the moment, but you know, ten years from now, maybe if the Democrats, uh, you know, decides that this is a good option that they would like, then it would hurt the Republicans. So, I think, you know, to keep the integrity of our election process, it's important that. We know this is a problem, and and let's try to fix it. And it's completely nonpartisan. And, you know, my Republican colleagues say that they had nothing to do with this particular gentleman or other NPAs running. And if that's the case, then there's no reason why they can't hear the bill.
0: The House version of the bill is sponsored by Representative Kristen Arrington of Kissimmee. Time now for your calendar of political events. At 9, the Senate Finance and Tax Committee will discuss Department of Revenue tax concepts. Yep, they call them concepts now. At 1130, the Senate Select Committee on Pandemic Preparedness hears from the National Guard and the Division of Emergency Management. Trustees at the University of North Florida meet at 830. The Florida Supreme Court releases weekly opinions at 11. The Florida Chamber Foundation holds an online Economic Outlook and Jobs Solution Summit. That's at 1. The Statewide Council on Human Trafficking also meets at 1. The Board of Directors of the Gulf Consortium holds a conference call at 3. At 3.30, the Florida Supreme Court holds an online ceremony to honor 21 attorneys for their pro bono work. At 5.30, the Florida Commission on the Status of Women holds an induction ceremony for three new members of the Florida Women's Hall of Fame. And the North Central Florida Regional Planning Council meets online at 7. Finally today, a Florida man is charged with conspiring in advance of the 2016 election to use social media platforms to spread misinformation designed to deprive people of their right to vote. The U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of New York says a social media influencer, 31-year-old Douglas McKay of West Palm Beach, used Twitter and other platforms to send fraudulent messages to thousands of his followers that were designed to encourage supporters of Hillary Clinton to vote via text message or social media, even listed a phone number to call and said, avoid the line, vote from home. Prosecutors say more than 4,900 people apparently fell for that ruse, so their votes didn't count.